Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's good? It's the PHNX podcast. PHNX Cardinals, Bo Brock, hanging out with you on a Tuesday, possibly the calm before the storm. Could one franchise quarterback make his way back onto the practice field as early as tomorrow? Could a franchise caliber heart and soul of the organization and Buda Baker make his way back out onto the practice field? We'll find all of that probably within the next 18 to 24 hours. Can't wait. But uh, my favorite segment of the week is already upon us as we've got our guy Brian Baldinger. Of course, Baldy in the fold today. Every Tuesday joins PHNX Cardinals. And, you know, Baldy, a lot has changed in the last two weeks. You were very complimentary of this Arizona Cardinals organization. We liked a lot of what we saw, especially from the offensive side of the football but what stands out to you as far as Joshua Dobbs, the five turnovers the last couple games uh, about his game that's different from where it was, you know, two weeks ago? Well, I think even more than the turnovers, you know, the two missed deep shots to Hollywood Brown. I mean, he got behind, um, you know, the corner on both times. Uh, and it's it's a home run shot. You can see the frustration. Um, you know, Witherspoon, I think, got a finger on one of them. But the other one, you know, is just poorly thrown. And so um, they had a chance for 14 points. I mean, you know, you, you get a deep shot like that, just like Justin Herbert missed Keenan Allen last night. You got to hit those shots. And it wasn't like Aaron Donald was breathing down his neck. They, they protected really well, and he couldn't finish those. So, you know, he, he looks frustrated right now that he can't. You know, the last interception he threw on Sunday, he looked really frustrated by what he did and the throw that he made. And so it's starting to mount a little bit right now as running backs go down and, you know, the, the roster kind of turns over a little bit. I mean, it's they're losing some of these opportunities where they're in these games for a half or three quarters. They can't gain a stinking yard two weeks in a row. Fourth and one, there they are trying to, you know, they got the lead. Like, they can go get more and they can't convert on fourth and one. They don't know what play to run, how to execute it. And so there's just frustration that seems to be mounting, Bo. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the two missed opportunities to Hollywood Brown. One would have been a certain touchdown. The other would have at least moved the chains on four on fourth down and two crucial plays. And yeah. it would have changed the complexion of this game, right? Because you go into halftime, it's nine to six. If you get in the end zone once, you know, I, I don't think that Sean McVay can deploy the offensive game plan that he had in the second half. Am I wrong? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I don't know if they come out and run Kyron Williams the way that they did in the second half. Now, maybe he, he pops from runs like he did, but I don't know if they're down two scores, if he's going to be that patient. You know, I mean, he might yeah. just start, you know, throwing to Cooper and Nakua and the guys that he does. Like, he might have started that sooner. Um, I don't know that he would have been as patient on the ground because that was certainly a real departure from what they did in the first half. Well, when you look at the inaccuracies and you look at Dobbs's games, what's the most concerning thing? Is, is it just he's – too amped up out of there? Is this a footwork thing? Is it? Is he just under too much pressure from the opposing defensive front? What are you seeing? Well, I mean, it might be just some of all that. I mean, I, I can't get inside Joshua here. Uh, yeah. 
you know, he's missing open receivers right now. And look, that's that's his job is to complete a high percentage of passes and let those guys, you know, run with it after the catch. And, you know, who knows? Maybe this is what we're what we can expect from Josh. Maybe he's a backup that can capably fill in, play a game or two, play at a high level, but maybe he's not that guy. You know, this time always kind of uh, kind of shows what a what a person really is or what a player really is. Is he really a starter or is this just what we're looking at right now is, you know, it's it's like I'm, I'm getting ready for the Colts. And Gardner Minshew looks like an all-world backup. He goes in there, starts a game, he gets a game ball, you know, they win a game, and now all of a sudden, you know, it's on him. And he throws three interceptions last mm. week, and, you know, the, the game gets away from him. But, you know, sometimes it's just – I don't want to say pressure, but sometimes it's like, okay, I, I got to make this happen. Like it's up to me to, you know, convert this third down, get this ball in the end zone, make this deep shot. And sometimes guys just aren't wired to do that week in week out and shoulder the load the way you have to in this business. Now, another person that's had a completely different two weeks than they did to have to start the season was rookie third round pick, Michael Wilson. We were really excited about him. Where do you think uh, he struggled to find himself? To, why is he less involved in this passing game? I mean, you know, he's not getting he's not getting targeted. I mean, yeah. he had he had he had the big catch, I think, for 26, 28 yards, some. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. You know, like they they, they seem to still be want to be a run first team, and when they're not running, Josh is like taking off with it and picking up big chunks and some of his scrambles. Like it doesn't. Sometimes you just go okay. A receiver's not involved the way we think he should be. When I watch some of these offenses, and Arizona's not that different than a bunch of them in this offense, that, that lacks rhythm and timing. Where, you know, you watch uh, a healthy Joe Burrow right now drop back and the ball's out, reads the defense, ball's in Jamar Chase's hands, boom. And there's a rhythm to it. There's a timing to it. And it seems to me that that rhythm and timing that you saw a bunch, like you saw really pick up with – Stafford to Cup and Stafford Nakua, you see that timing where the ball's out before the guys are out of their breaks. Like, I just don't see that from this offense right now. And we saw firsthand, like, Burrow and Chase got right against the Arizona Cardinals right before our eyes, you know, 15 yeah. catches, 192 yards. Like, what were they able to do that, you know, I think it's asking a lot for a Joshua Dobbs and a third-round rookie out of Stanford, like, how do they, at least in their way, get back on track like Burrow and Chase have done in the last two weeks? Well, I mean, look, let's let's face it. I mean, Joe Burrow <laughs> was the first pick in the draft. Right. Mark Chase was the third pick in the draft, I believe. Maybe it was the fifth. But fifth, I mean, yeah. they're, they're top of the board. They're the best coming out of, you know, a national championship program right. that we've seen in a long time. And they, they have unusual skills. Uh, and Joe's healthy right now. He got healthy against you, and now he's really healthy. And now they're just, you know, I mean – Jamar's got 50 catches after six weeks. And he was two weeks ago, he was saying, I'm open. I'm always open. Right. They weren't throwing the ball. So like, they just have unusual timing, but you know, you talk to Jamar, like that's, they've been doing this for five years. Like they did it for two years at LSU. They've done it three years here in Cincinnati. I mean, that's a lot of time together, off seasons, college pros playoffs, you know, that that's just a whole lot of time together. You can't expect really, Joshua Dobbs and Michael Wilson or Hollywood to have that kind of timing with so little time together. 
Yeah, we, uh, you know, the, the second half, completely different story. It seems like each and every week for this Arizona Cardinals team. But we saw this Rams team abandon the run and then come out and emphasize that in the second half. What is it that, that's sticking out to you as far as the second half woes? I mean, Nick Rollis' defense did a good job in the first half, but it was against a one-dimensional passing attack. What is it, you know, that you're seeing from this Cardinals defense, you know, just a short positive and then right back to kind of the negatives in the second half? Well, you're not seeing them play defense on the other side of the football, Bo. Mm. You know, and typically if you're going to, you know, shut down a running football team, you're going to penetrate. You're going to get them. So you see, if you're, you know, look, if, if if you're Arizona right now and you um, lose four yards on first down, like you're not running the ball on second and 14. Neither is Sean, you know, Sean McVay is not running it on second 14. You need to, you, you need some negative runs. You You need them to think about handing it off on second 11, uh, you know, and dropping back and where you can really alter your defense to really play for the pass and take some things away and maybe take the number one option away. But when you're, you know, you're gashing you for eight yards on first down or even six yards, like it's just a whole lot easier to stay with it. And, you know, that opening touchdown in the third quarter for the Rams, they really just ran it right down their throats. And they just, you know, they got chunks and then they stayed with it with, you know, good runs on first down. They just didn't, you know, you just didn't see the negative plays that you mm-hmm. need. And sometimes, you know, you got to dial up a run blitz. You know, you got to dial up a safety off the edge, you know, whatever it is, you know, to try and, and get them trapped behind the line of scrimmage to take them out of that rhythm of running it. Yeah, I mean, it really felt like, at least against San Francisco, there's a disparity in talent, right? I mean, as far as what they were doing, blowing the defensive line off the ball, winning the, the line of scrimmage, where, you know, you look at this Rams team coming into this contest, it felt like, you know, they were in the same weight class, Baldy, and, and that didn't look this, that the case in the second half. Like, you, you mentioned maybe dial up some run blitzes. Are, are they doing enough schematically, or is it just that talent disparity that's just at, at – at play in the second half of these games or just at play sometimes when the Cardinals looked overmatched? Well, you know, like I've been studying the Rams really close and, you know, a lot of people don't know the names of, you know, some of these guys, Byron Young or Rose Boom, like some of these guys, but I mean, Steve Avila at left guard yeah. is, he looks like a sumo wrestler. Like that guy <laughs> is a big, powerful man, you know, and he's a good football player and they, Alar Jackson played good and, you know, they, they've got their line together right now. You know, I mean, Abenstein's always been a good player. But the thing that they do probably better than everybody else in this whole league is um, they literally are – I'm not going to get too technical here, Bo, but okay. like they're literally a 11-personnel uh, team. They're literally one, one back, one tight end, three receivers. Except what they're really good at is their receivers are almost like a tight end blocking. Like Cooper Cup um, – you know, even this Nakua right now, they're excellent blocking at the line of scrimmage. And they seal the edge. They double team at the point. They get their – they dig your safeties out of the box. Like, they're really good blockers. They they probably um, – Cooper Cup is probably as good a wide receiver blocker as there is in the NFL. And I think there's sometimes when he has a good block that he's that he's more excited about that than him catching his first touchdown pass of the season last week. Before I ask you about Kyler Murray and everybody in the chat wants to talk about K1, there's there's been rumblings around here that he could return to the practice field. I want to talk about, you know, the the left tackle on this team. It seems like DJ Humphreys, I don't know if it stands out to you on film that he's kind of struggled at least, especially the last 2 weeks. Is that a product of DJ Humphreys having tough matchups 
the past two weeks, or, or do you see something from the nine-year veteran for the Cardinals that uh, is not not too great as far as well, success? Well, it doesn't seem to be anchoring real well right now. I mean, they had a, a run play where I don't know what they were trying to do, honestly. Like, everybody pulled and, you know, uh, you know Aaron Donald, you know, sacked, uh, you know, Joshua Dobbs. I think it was a quarterback power. I mean, yeah. but, you know, he didn't have a chance to even get his feet set, and Aaron Donald was slamming him to the ground. There had to be a missed assignment there. I don't know if it was daily. But, you know, they've had changes at left guard. That always affects your left tackle. Um, I don't know if Daly's a guard at all. He just looks like a body in there right now. Like, you want you want like a – you got to have a team on each side. And guys just know each other. They just know how to, like, help each other out because it's all teamwork. And so some of it, I think, is just, you know, the struggles that they've had at left guard right now and guys in and out of the lineup. All right, let's get to the uh, what everybody wants to talk about. It's Kyler Murray. If he hits the practice field tomorrow, what is what in your opinion is is his biggest hurdle? And obviously, you got the twenty one day window between going from you know post surgery to onto the practice field to him getting into the lineup and having success, kind of recapturing the success we saw through the first three years of his NFL career. Well, it's a new offense. It's a new way of doing things. It's new players. So, you know, you got to you got to build your timing up. And it's one thing um, even in the, in the next couple of weeks, one thing you go out in the practice field, the game speed is going to be different. You know, I mean, these guys, everybody's in full season mode right now. They're in win mode and they've seen it now for six straight weeks. And so everything, you know, his reflexes, his reactions, his eyes, like it, it, he's got to catch up. He's missed a lot of time. And, you know, a lot of these people went through the off-seasons, the preseason, preseason games, you know, to, and, and the month of September where everybody sort of is trying to get up to speed. And now you're seeing a separation of this league between the haves and have-nots. We're seeing a lot of blowout games. We're seeing teams that really struggle in certain areas, and they're not able to find different ways to, you know, to coach that weakness up. So he's got to catch up to all that. And, you know, like just for example, like just – the missed throws to Hollywood, fourth and five. Um, you know, I don't know if if he's going to be any better than Joshua was. Maybe he will. Maybe he just comes back like he's back at Allen High School. I don't know. But I, I think that there's a, you know, there's there's a curve where he's got to catch up to the speed. I mean, that sounds, you know, crazy. K1 sure. is always fast as anybody. But just catch up to the speed of the game and the speed that you got to play the game at and how fast these teams are playing. And what does K1 bring back to the Cardinals that isn't on the roster that, that exists right now that Joshua Dobbs can't do for them at this moment? Well, I mean, Josh has done he, – he's, he's still played well. I mean, he's, sure. look, he's got, he's got the fumbles. He's got the interceptions the last couple of weeks. Like, the turnovers are there. But, you know, he's, he's rescued a lot of plays. He's been a lot of big scrambles. He's kept them in games into the third quarter, even in these games they've lost recently to Cincinnati. Yeah. And last week he's got them in the games. But, you know, Kyler um, – you know, he's a, he's a baller. Like, okay, you know, I just remember that play against the Raiders last year, keeping a play alive, finding a way to win a game. Like, he's thrown the Hail Mary passes. He's won in the fourth quarter. He's gone to the playoffs. Like, he's just got so much more experience at all levels. You know, major college football, yeah. the NFL level. And so, you know, I think there's a certain amount of, I got to show this regime, this team, the league, that I was worth the contract, that was worth the number one pick. Like, he's got a lot to prove. And so I think if he feels that way, and I think he does, if he feels that way, then he should prepare and play that way. 
Incredible insight from our guy Baldy, Brian Baldinger, uh, jumping on all of our city programs, looking out for more from Baldy. But, of course, you can watch his work, NFL Network. You can follow him at Baldy NFL on Twitter for all his great Baldy breakdowns. You can find those across the YouTube streets as well. Looking forward to the next Tuesday, my man. Enjoy the games here already in week seven of the NFL season. Thanks, Baldy. Flying, Bo. You got it, man. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Good. Sounds good. Brian Baldinger. So, you know, we we jump right into things on Tuesday with Baldy. And uh, I think it, it, Johnny's not gone. We didn't just fire his ass. Uh, we didn't just tell him, hey, here's a box. Put all your shit in it and get out of here. Uh, Brian, <laughs> Johnny Venerable is uh, he's just not available today. Got the day off. He'll be off tomorrow, but he'll be back in the fold on Thursday. But he's still covering, of course, this team. He can't get away from it. He's a sicko, just like all of us. Uh, seeking out Cardinals ins- insight info. As far as Kyler Murray, we've got some updates for that. Buda Baker is hitting Twitter, putting on social media. Maybe a little cryptic tweets could be uh, saying that he might be coming back as well. Some info, some updates, of course, on the Cardinals' stars. And also we're going to talk to Brad Spielberger. More NFL insight from more NFL experts. Brad Spielberger from uh, Pro Football Focus is going to join us here later on the show. So without Johnny, we're going to continue all the... uh, giving you all that NFL insight that you crave here on PHNX Cardinals. Got to talk to you, of course, about our friends over at Circle K, your inner circle. You got to stop at America's Thirst Shop. Don't delay any longer. Become a member of their new free ship membership free membership program. Save 25 cents per gallon on your first five fill-ups. And your sixth, you're going to get a free selection of Circle K products, pizza, coffee, Polar Pops, those fountain drinks, everything that you crave from Circle K, you can do that today. Joining their free membership, The Inner Circle. Download it at Circle K, the app today. Terms and conditions apply. Participating locations, of course. Visit CircleK.com for more details. Also, got to tell you about our friends over at OG's Brands. Once you get all those snacks, once you load up on all the snacks over at Circle K, go load up on some OG's Brands at your favorite local dispensary. OG's Brands, you can use, uh, you can figure out if you like the Fruits, you like the creams. They've got the orange creamsicle as far as the creams. They've got the red apple, the watermelon, the peach. As far as the fruits go, you get the mixed bags. Figure out which one's for you or if you just like that uh, variety. You can absolutely do that. Just get the mixed bags. They come in 100-milligram bags. Also, check out their uh, all their Hall of Fame flavors, all their full product line at ogsbrands.com. Follow them on your socials. And like I said, find them at your local dispensary. Got to be 21 years or older and enjoy responsibly i gotta say i think the uh the are you a fruits guy or are you a creams gal is like my favorite thing that we do and yeah on on our ad reads on this on this yeah i think that that's it's it's basically the question that needs to be answered and Uh, it's the age-old question it is the (laughs) it certainly is as our producer damon dog chimes in um let's see let's get into the so everybody was crushing in the chat from the from the very get-go let's start with craig why did we cut Majay sanders it's, it's a great question because a lot of people had uh were excited about the 30 or the third overall third round selection from the 2022 nfl draft part of steve kimes final draft class because of his speed his athleticism his his length and i guess that this organization the new regime from monty osford to jonathan gannon to uh, defensive coordinator Nick Rollis. It just didn't feel like he was somebody that they felt like they could move forward with. I mean, when you look at what they've, and the messaging that they've preached since 
Monty took over in the front office and JG took over as far as the, the coaching staff goes. They're looking for versatile guys. And I think the one knock against Majay Sanders is he doesn't have much versatility. He's kind of a one-trick pony as far as his pass rush goes. More of a speed guy and, and more like pin your ears back. Is he, is he a guy that can kind of do everything that you need uh, in, in the pass rush game? Can you be good against getting after the quarterback and in the run game? And I just don't think that that's what they saw from Ajay Sanders. Now it's it's a jam packed room, and it's like a ton of guys in, in you know from uh, six deep right now would have been seven with Ajay Sanders if they ever activated him off of the injury reserve, which never came to fruition. He was he was cut before that happened. Um, but they decided, look, they they like these other guys because of their ability to do different things. Like they they want guys who are adaptable, who are versatile, who are violent. Like I think that you could say, like Maje, he can play the violent part. Uh, you know, he, he can be smart, but is he adaptable? Is he versatile? And I don't think that that's anything that you you see in his game. Uh, like Austin, he's like, I like Maje Sanders. It opens a roster spot. Never doesn't open any roster spots. Like Maje Sanders was never activated from injured reserve, so he was never taking up a roster spot. He was a guy that he he was just on the on that injury list. And he, he was designated return, but until he was actually activated, it doesn't open a roster spot for the Arizona Cardinals. They're still at 52. So they're one below the max 53 men roster. So they can make a, uh, you know, even if they designate a Kyler Murray to return tomorrow, if they designate a Buda Baker to return tomorrow, as long as they don't activate those guys, uh, that roster spot remains open. And they also have to activate Garrett Williams at some point between now and and next Wednesday. So a couple different, like when they do activate all three of those guys and when it's that, and that's pretty much inevitable, like they're going to have to make two more roster spots. So, you know, John Paul Edwards Dio saying Maje can't hold versus run. And I think that, you know, that's, that's probably part of it. Like they need guys that, that can do different things on this defensive line. Does he diversify it a little bit? Does, does he, is it more kind of telegraph what you're trying to do when Maje Sanders got in the game? I think, the answer is yes, and they want guys that create conflict as far as opposing offense and in, in, in knowing, you know, okay, we don't know if, if Dennis Gardeck's going to drop back in coverage or if he's going to get after the quarterback. We don't know if Zayvon Collins is going to do that either. Like, so Majay Sanders, I don't think, had that skill set in order to really crack a rotation outside of just being a guy that can go in there and get after a passer, and, and they need more from that. So it's unfortunate, you know, we'll see if, if Maje Sanders goes the way of, you know, a Josh Jones or uh, an Isaiah Simmons where, you know, and those were trades, right? Maje is going to likely go through waivers unclaimed and he'll sign somewhere, but does he sign as a practice squad guy? Does he make his way onto a 53 man roster? Does he bite the Cardinals in the ass for letting go of a third round pick before really even plays in his second NFL season? We'll see, but if anything's, been shown so far is like Steve Keim selected players haven't kind of come up bit the Arizona Cardinals in the ass so far like nobody has emerged as as big time players elsewhere and the Cardinals said man you know what I I wish we we still had this guy in the roster like so far Monty Austin Ford is got a near perfect batting average he's batting a thousand as far as guys he's decided to let go and aren't really going and performing elsewhere uh, let's see, DD's saying our key CBs are being exploited when you see what Garrett Williams can bring. Absolutely. I think people are waiting for that. The, the, the thing I would say, though, with Garrett Williams is you're going to have to be uh, real patient. 
I mean, this is a guy who hasn't played football in nearly a calendar year. He tore his ACL against Notre Dame at the end of October last season, and that was at the collegiate level. And there's a, there's a big difference there. Uh, he's going to be thrown in there, and I think they're going to try to work him in um, a little bit easier than you would even like with a guy like Kyler Murray. And, and Baldy went over the hurdles at K1, who's in his fifth NFL season, like what he's facing. In, in the cornerback position, we're seeing it's brutal, especially when you're undermanned. Basically, on every level of the defense, you're not getting the pass rush you need. You're not getting it at the second level outside of Kazir White. And then the secondary, it's been gashed by injury, and, and it's been underperforming as far as on the outside, the cornerback spot. So, absolutely, D-line is key, and they're not getting much, you know, tough, you know, great play from that defense. Um, so, it's... It, it, it's kind of like it's a give and take, and, and we're seeing a lot of uh, a take from opposing offenses on this defense. And, and Garrett Williams will be it'll be refreshing and, and nice to see, you know, when he shows up and, and what he has to offer. But you know, Majay Sanders, Garrett Williams, that's exciting stuff, right? But the 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 main headline maker is is Kyler Murray. What's the latest on Kyler Murray? You know, I. I saw the news today, and it's it's repackaged news stuff that was said on the Arizona Cardinals flagship radio show uh, station yesterday from Jonathan Gannon. It wasn't anything that we haven't heard before. You know, you you can kind of like look at his wording on it, uh, but it's it's basically been like we'll see. I mean, Johnny Johnny Venerable said on Sunday after the loss that he had a source that said he'd be shocked if Kyler Murray doesn't return to practice this week, and that's that's been from Sunday. The new news came out, and it was like Bobby Manaman of AZ Central uh, saying what Jonathan Gannon said on on the flagship station yesterday, and it's pretty much the status quo of, of what, and and really no moving of the chains from what Johnny reported on Sunday. But the biggest thing, and the, and the biggest tell, is going to be tomorrow morning. So Jonathan Gannon's going to meet with us in the press room before they take the field for practice, and we'll see if he divulges, you know, whether or not. Kyler Murray or Buda Baker is going to be out there. But, you know, it, there there hasn't been this much momentum all season long. And there's been plenty of times where, you know, it feels like Kyler Murray is going to be designated a return and it hasn't happened. But this really feels like, you know, that they could pull the trigger on this and really start the process, truly starting the process, kind of the home stretch of Kyler Murray getting back out there and wearing his number one jersey for the Arizona Cardinals. Now, do we have the Buda Baker tweet? Not yet. We're good. But we got we, we have the Buda Baker tweet coming. But, you know, as, as far as Kyler Murray goes, like I don't think I didn't see anything today that, that told me anything different than we've got to wait to see what Jonathan Gannon says on Wednesday. And, you know, it, it was a, a reporter was a Gambo saying, you know, he could be designated return this week or he could be designated return next week. I mean, that that doesn't give that doesn't give us too much. I mean, I feel like. A lot of people were anticipating that as well. I mean, it, it, things have, it have certainly changed as far as how this organization's been covered. Like before, there were a whole lot of uh, leaks with this organization. There was, you know, it, it seemed like there were a ton of people with a ton of sources that were coming out from the, the walls of that facility where since Monty Austin Fort, since Jonathan Gannon got in there, uh, there haven't been that many leaks. Like we we heard, you know, of course, about Adam Schefter a couple of weeks ago saying that Kyler Murray would not be designated a return the first week that he was eligible, and that turned out to be true. Um, but we're we're not seeing anything as far as 
you know, from the DeAndre Hopkins story to what they were going to do with the third overall pick and they ended up trading out of it and trading back up. There wasn't a whole lot of leaks coming out of this this organization, and it continues to be true with, with Kyler Murray. So I would take everything kind of with a, with a grain of salt. But the biggest thing that we're going to know as far as Kyler Murray and what you know potentially his future could be in in what the timeline will be come tomorrow. Like we we're, we're either sitting here tomorrow talking about how great it is Kyler Murray's return in the practice field or what the heck they're going to wait another week. So, but we, we're going to know within the next twelve hours. Which is exciting. I mean, this is this is I think this is the first real opportunity that this this could actually happen. So let's take a look at these super chats here. AZ fan nineteen ninety eight. Do you think K one gets off pup tomorrow and Baker and Williams get fully activated this week? Our Cardinals need all the help they can get. Look, absolutely they do. Um, as far as Kai or Buda Baker going from immediately designated return to activate it i think that's probably the most realistic scenario and we haven't seen that under gannon under Monty. it's mostly been guys have been designated they practice they get kind of get up to speed on the practice field um and then you know then potentially they'll, they'll get activated like a week later like dennis daly did um and this is like kind of the first couple rounds of of guys who've, who've gone through and have been eligible after a stint on the IR to, to come back. Uh, what did I see? Somebody was shading Florio, which is was always good. I always approve of that. Arizona Animal, I don't care, or I don't know. Florio is still probably talking shit about the Cardinals, LOL. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think Florio, he uh, repurposed some of the info coming out of some local affiliations here from, from AZ Central to 98.7. And, you know, that's, that's fine. But I, I, I think... Ultimately, I don't. I don't think anybody truly knows definitively until tomorrow. But tomorrow's the big day. Step hens and Kyler practicing will be a welcome sight, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, we had the all-purpose podcast today with Greg Dorch, and you know, I asked him directly, like, because that's exactly what it is, right? When Kyler Murray becomes designated return, it's not Kyler Murray's designated return, and just like we were talking about with Buddha, like. It doesn't like Kyler's not playing against Seattle. That ain't happening, right? He, he's just he's got to get acclimated to this this offense. So Kyler Murray, like, what does him just being designated return and hit the practice field mean for Greg Dorch and his teammates? Like, how big of a boost can that give him? This is what Greg Dorch had to say. What? But what would it do? Like, just getting him back on the practice field. What would it just do for for the rest <laughs> of his, yourself, your teammates? Man, that's QB one. I mean, it, I feel like just the energy and the swagger that he brings. Like, Kyler's confident. You get what I'm saying? When you have a, a guy that you know, is the leader and he's that confident, it just trickles down to each player. You know what I'm saying? Defense, offense, special teams. He's confident, so you have to be confident right with him. Um, but like I said, he's itching to get back out there. Um, and I know they want to make sure that everything's right for him so um, he can come back in and be successful. And I think when the time is right, he'll be ready. It's got to get you pumped. It's got to get you pumped that your franchise quarterback, he's, uh, he's itching to get back out there. And, and that's what we've been hearing for, for weeks now, that he wants to be back out there on the playing field, uh, gearing up and in, in taking the next steps to get back out there in the huddle with his teammates, playing in a new offense, 
Um, so hearing that from Greg Dortch and, and their pals, like they're boys, like Kyler Murray and Greg Dortch, they are absolutely boys. It's not like, hey, they just happen to be on the same team and teammates and acquaintances just throughout, you know, work friends, right? Like, like Damon and me, like Damon and I, we haven't been out to get beers together yet. So we're just work friends. We're not official friends. So, but Kyler Murray, Greg Dortch, they are official friends. Uh, so it, it will give them an absolute bump. It's not a, it's not an indictment on it. It's just, we're, we're, we just started working for the show, Damon. Can so, we, I mean, can we get beers yeah, together? That we, sounds like a great time. It's absolutely happening at the, at the Bet MGM this Sunday. That's happening. But as far as how it pertains to Kyler Murray and Greg Dorch, uh, yeah, absolutely. Ben, I mean, this is a two, two way street, Damon, step it up. Uh, <laughs> You know, I think that th- that's that's encouraging to hear Dorch say that that that's where that's Kyler's mindset, and now he's just waiting for the green light from I'm sure the training staff, from his surgeon, his doctors, and then of course Jonathan Gannon to say, all right, let's start this thing, let's uh, let's really fire this thing up, and it could start as early as tomorrow. So, and it's it's Damon. Let's get it. Let's get it right. It's the Damon dog. It's not Damien. Uh, that that's on us. We should be saying it more often. No, it's all good. It's it's uh it's it's you know it's always everyone always thinks Damien. It's Damien. It's all, yeah. all good. I, I appreciate it. And I Mikey does it, Cardinal. I think you know this is the this is the main point. Kyler's going to need a couple weeks of practice at minimum, and he'll need to get the reps he can get. So when we look at this, when Kyler Murray when he comes back, if he's designated to return tomorrow, best case scenario, Kyler Murray is back on the playing field in week. Eight against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. That it wouldn't, like I said, no Seattle. And then you've got a road game at Cleveland, which you know it's it's potential, right? And then in Week Ten is probably another opportunity for Kyler Murray to come back, and that's probably at the latest Week Ten against the Atlanta Falcons. So you've got two home games. Two of the three are home games. I got to imagine that this organization would really want him to return to the lineup in front of the Red Sea, in front of the, the home crowd. So Baltimore, Atlanta, I think that those are two that you could circle as, as the likely return dates for Kyler Murray. Uh, Fishbowl Flash, the host of the best bet show. Absolutely, Damon Dog. Uh, PHNX best. Yeah, Michael Evans, Johnny Dayoff. He'll be back in the fold tomorrow. Um, so yeah, everybody's saying Atlanta super sticker from our guy, DD just saying good job. And he it breaks down the, the emoji that he used. Uh, Johnny must be cutting down trees in his lumberjack shirt that he was wearing in his, his post in our pre and post game on Sunday. We never got a comment from Johnny about that. There was a lot of people coming at him for the lumberjack uh, flannel and yeah. he, never, he never responded to it. He usually, he usually responds to those type of, he, he won't be responding to his, his basic bitch ways with his lumberjack and his pumpkin spice. I love that. That Austin Romano with the brawny venerable is elite. Brawny venerable is absolutely an elite nickname. For- that is exactly the shirt, <laughs> isn't it? He bought that exact shirt. Yeah. He's the brawny man, brawny yeah. venerable on the on the uh, packaging of of some of the most uh, reliable paper towels out there on the market. The wing king, the wing king, is definitely using brawny to to wipe his face and, and wipe his mitts after putting down a dozen of delicious wings at BetMGM. Uh, <laughs> miss his shirt, absolutely. What's up, Ivor? So just uh, great stuff all around. I mean, it, it's. A, 
it's it's one of those things where you know it's are you hurrying up and waiting it's like when you're one in five this these are the things you look forward to but i think at any point you're looking forward to your franchise quarterback you know continuing the path to returning to the playing field because then we start to look at you know and, and we can start to preview what Kyler Murray looks like in Drew Petzing's offense because I think that's what everybody's excited about what he was able to do and, and I guess kind of more re- and less recently but a couple weeks ago with Joshua Dobbs and putting Joshua Dobbs in this Cardinals offense in a in, in really a great place for success where they were scoring 20 points you know, and back-to-back weeks going into the locker room and putting up 28 points for the game and just thinking, okay, what, what can Kyler Murray do with these schemes, with these crossing routes, with these wide receivers that have a ton of separation between them and any kind of any opposing defender? That's what people get excited about. And they also think about, okay, this is a team that has struggled to put teams away, has been brutal in the second half, especially on the offensive side of the football, where they've just kind of they've hit a ceiling as far as eight points scored in the second half. They haven't scored more than that in any game this season. The, what Kyler Murray, how he transforms his offense, and he can take him to that next level. He can break through that glass ceiling offensively that they've hit all you know this entire season. And you know, there's there's been this team that's been competitive, right? They've been it's been one score games for the most part, deep in the third quarters, going in the fourth quarter, and then the wheels fall off. Kyler Murray gives you that chance to right the ship and finish some games, right, or or put games out of reach going into halftime. You know, I mean, obviously you feel like when you're beating the Giants, you're beating them up and you're up 20 nothing at halftime. Like th- that type of game, I think Kyler Murray puts that game away. You know, is even though the Giants offense, the, the outlier for their entire season, they've been brutal otherwise offensively all season long. Like even though they couldn't get off the field defensively, the Cardinals, I think Kyler Murray could at least run some clock against the Giants and, and put up more points than, than a Joshua Dobbs-led offense did in that contest. So it's um, that that's what you're looking for, and that's that's what we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to that checkpoint. Can they designate him to return? So Doc's cards, Chandler Jones, available. I don't think uh, his NFL days are on hold until – figure out what's going on off the field. Jessica, Kyler has confidence nobody can match. I I don't disagree, and I think that that's what Greg George conveyed. You were there, Jessica, very loyal viewer of PHNX Sports here on YouTube. I know you were in the chat today watching Greg, and you saw him say it firsthand. I mean, he he has that confidence. He's He's been playing this game at a high level his entire life, and he's got that quiet confidence that he can come in there, and where the Cardinals are ailing offensively, he views himself as a solution to that. So I just see him as the type of player that like he can get first downs by himself. He can make plays by himself. That yeah. A lot of QBs don't have that like kind of dynamic ability. Yeah. So in a offense that's struggling, that is, you know, ailing, like you said, he's, he has the ability to kind of just put a team on his back that unfortunately Dobbs doesn't have, and it's just going to be nice to have that back. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the offense struggling obviously held out of the end zone last game. And that that would be that's the second offensive performance where they didn't score any touchdowns. Week one, and I think week one we feel is is more of a, a fluke or or more of the uh an anomaly because of Joshua Dobbs and the lack of time he had to prepare. But, you know, I think even with the the struggles of this offense. Kyler Murray, for the first time in his career, has the offensive infrastructure that he's never had, right? 
like I, I've talked about this and, and I say I want to see from this organization, from the coaching staff to the players on the field, you know, put themselves in a position to where Kyler Murray doesn't have to come in and play hero ball and, and be the savior. But I think they at least offer in a different way from last year where the, the previous regime absolutely relied on Kyler Murray to fix and cover up a lot of their, I, I guess, deficiencies to where the infrastructure is there from a play calling standpoint to an offensive line standpoint to a playmaker standpoint to where Kyler Murray, you know, he can play with the in the offense and show off his, his incredible skill set, especially the accuracy, which we've been missing the last couple of weeks, but then also make those plays you're talking about, Damon, to where if, if something breaks down, that's where he kind of kicks it into a different gear to where it's nice to see the mobility and the athleticism from Joshua Dobbs to where Kyler Murray is next world with that. And we'll see, you know, I don't know where he's going to be coming back from this injury, but he, he's still, you know, I think if they're going to give him the, the okay to come back, that he's going to be pretty damn close. It's going to take some time knocking some rust off to go, uh, you know, to, to really get back to where he was peak form like 2021. But yeah, you're, you're really going to like what you're going to see, I think, once he gets going in this offense. We're going to talk to Brad Spielberger, pro football focus here in just a bit. He's uh, going to talk about potential moves, who could get dealt from the Cardinals before the NFL trade deadline. He's got lots of great work at pff.com and also maybe look ahead to the NFL draft. I think the conversation about taking a quarterback has is kind of, uh, it, it's it's a little bit, it it. it it, it was at a fever pitch at one point where this team was struggling out of the gates and Dobbs was struggling and, and we didn't know what to expect uh, to where now, you know, you had a poor performance from Caleb Williams. And I think that this team with, with Kyler Murray potentially coming back, the talk of a quarterback in round one, it gets put on, it gets kind of paused. So which prospects would the Arizona Cardinals be looking at uh, beyond, you know, some of the quarterbacks in a very talent rich 2024 draft. Before we get to Brad, another star player for the Arizona Cardinals uh, that can make be making his way back. Can we can we kind of decipher this tweet from Buddha Baker? There he is. Just a uh, is the guy in a ninja suit emoji. I think if I if I'm just translating this correctly, I believe that means he's coming back tomorrow. Anybody else want to try to translate I think that's that? That's a direct definition. <laughs> Yeah, Jessica, he ready, right? I think that he's ready to go. He's ready to go back to war, Buda Baker. And four weeks for Buda Baker, I'm sure, has been an eternity. And dealing with a hamstring injury and decision to put him on a, any of the injury lists with IR, I think a guy like Buda Baker, you know, if Kyler Murray's chomping on his bit, I, I'm sure they had to restrain Buda Baker. I, I'm sure they had people, I bet they had security around the practice field just to keep him off. So they didn't break any kind of rules as far as the NFL and IR rules go. Didi, yeah, baby, Buddha is back officially. It's if it, if it's going to come down tomorrow, and it should be an electric Jonathan Gannon press conference. Could be you know very short and to the point, um, but you know it, this the press conference. If he doesn't give us any insight as far as who's going to be back in the press conference, there's going to have to be a, official word from the team before they hit the practice field. So by 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, you're going to have some insight. And of course, you got to keep it locked to this channel. You got to be subscribed and you're going to want to have notifications set up because if, if there's an Adam Schefter tweet out between now and tomorrow's practice, we're going to have a, an emergency podcast telling you whether or not Kyler Murray's coming back. 
But uh, excited to talk to Brad Spielberger here in just a few minutes, but also excited to tell you about FOCO. As Kyler Murray potentially nears the return of the playing field, you want to maybe take your, uh, your apparel gear up a level. The leading manufacturer in sports entertainment merchandise is FOCO. Check out FOCO.com. It's the official licensed gear for all sports fans. You've got uh, baseball season going on. You can get yourself some D-backs, Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, of course, football season. How about you get yourself some Cardinals overalls? You've got some Cardinals slides. You can be Cardinals fan from head to toe with FOCO. You get 10% off on all your Arizona sports gear by going to foco.com and using it on any non-presale items, and you get that 10% off all your FOCO gear. I also got to tell you about just becoming a PHNX diehard. Go phnx.com. The entire site is available to you by becoming a diehard today. You get a free shirt that you get uh, each and every year. By becoming a diehard, you get access to the member Discord. Don't miss out on it. Become a PHNX diehard today. Go phnx.com, PHNX locker for all the free swag that you can get by becoming a diehard today. Also, it's going to give you access to some of the exclusive partnerships we have. We had uh, with that Dobson Ranch, we had a couple deals going on there. We got deals uh, with BetMGM Sportsbook. I believe you get a free ranch card, which you can yeah. go to the driving range at Dobson Ranch. Yeah, just go crush some balls at the driving range at Dobson Ranch. You become a diehard, you're doing that for free. Uh, I don't think there's any limit to it. So become a diehard today. Don't miss out. Go phnx.com and, of course, phnxlocker.com. Love to uh, talk to our guy, uh, Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. So let's get on to that interview and uh, chat more Cardinals with this NFL expert. Always like to get this guy in here, Brad Spielberger, of course, Pro Football Focus, churning out the great work over there at pff.com. Make sure you're checking out and you're dialed into his Twitter as well, at pff underscore Brad. Brad, so I'm running solo today, but that's because I think you ratioed my poor partner, Johnny Venerable, to death. We have the screen cap from the tweet a couple weeks ago. Johnny Venerable just uh, innocently was putting out there, Travis Hunter could start for the Cardinals right now, and then Brad... You came back at PFF underscore Brad. Could possibly start for some NFL teams, too. Last time I checked, this thing was liked like 25,000 times. It was indeed a ratio. Funny is like the dumbest tweets go viral. Like, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, you said, you, you, I probably thought that was going to get five likes and just move on. And then I had to like mute the thing because it was going nuclear. But I apologize, Johnny. I get why I hurt your feelings while you're not here. That, that was entirely on me. Yeah, it was, it was a fatal blow. I believe he's left the Twitter streets officially, and he's retired from the NFL content creation game after that one, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't my intention, but, you know, sometimes a ratio hits you out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. It, we've, we've all been taken down by the, uh, the, <laughs> the unfriendly ratio. Also taken down another casualty of the Steve Kime regime for the Arizona Cardinals. According to Adam Schefter, barring any kind of uh, unforeseen trade that comes out of nowhere, they're going to cut ties with Maje Sanders, former third-round pick out of Cincinnati. Uh, not really asking about Maje specifically, you know, his game three sacks in his rookie year, had the hand injury in, in preseason, and just never made his way onto the playing field preseason game or regular season game. But in your experience, what, is, what does a move like this usually signify? 
Yeah, it's interesting. I think in this particular team, I know there's no superstars, but they do kind of have some depth at edge. I think we've seen good play from Victor Dimakeje, you know, Zayvon Collins in the new position, I think has made some plays. So sometimes it is as simple as the new regime trying to kind of clear out old talent and bring in their guys. But yeah, I mean, like in a weird way, they probably just can't get him snaps and probably are saying, hey, we're going to waive you and probably do right by you because someone else could, you know, that, that liked you in the draft last year might pick you up and give you some reps. Yeah, it's it's interesting because every time you see a regime change at the general manager spot as Monty Osipor comes in here, people want to play a quick connecting of the dots. Like, oh, look out for the head coach. Look out for the quarterback. It's not his guy, but it kind of lost in that are the, the down-the-roster guys, and it just feels like that was what Majay Sanders was. That's what you've been seeing, you know, with Richard Lawrence before that. just seems like they're getting – you know, they're bringing in their guys in place of the por- the previous GM's guys. Yeah, and they just want to get these young players snaps, right? I mean, now that B.J. O'Jolari is healthy, that's probably the actual, you know, one-to-one correlation there mm-hmm. is. Maybe there was a window where Maja was going to start playing, but O'Jolari gets healthy, I think is playing some pretty good football already so far. And you say, again, look, there's just, there's five, six guys ahead of you on this depth chart right now. And I think it does help the player where it's so fresh. There are GMs across the league that probably said, oh, yeah, I had X grade on this guy, you know, mm-hmm. a, a year ago. Uh, you know, and I think highly of me could maybe be a little, rotational piece for us you know going into the playoffs whatever so but yeah you do see it a lot I think sometimes people view it as malicious like oh they just they only want yes men and they only want their people in the building no I think sometimes it's as simple as it's just not a part of the long-term plan and and they don't want to do wrong by the player either yeah I mean it was a pass rush group that goes six deep it would be seven if Majay Sanders was activated from the R he's just designated to return it was just a numbers game. It really felt like. But now we're seeing, you know, like the the kind pieces that exited. Like they trade Isaiah Simmons for a seventh round pick. Haven't seen, you know, I don't think the Giants have cashed in that lottery ticket just yet. I mean, just like under 20 tackles hasn't made that big of an impact. You see, you know, Josh Jones down there with the Houston Texans. Like outside of that, like Lawrence was cast off. I think Lasita Smith, an offensive line, was cast off. They haven't resurfaced anywhere else. I think that this this Monty Osfor has been pretty correct as far as realizing who can play and who can't. No, for sure. I mean, I think Josh Jones is a pretty good player, a pretty solid swing tackle, and he's kind of come in there, got hurt, because if you're a Houston Texans offensive lineman in 2023, like, be careful. Maybe just roll up in bubble wrap because you're going to get hurt. So, you know, he's played some left guard. He's played some right tackle. But, yeah, like you said, these guys are either not signing with teams or not playing, and it probably, you know, sends a message. This wasn't, oh, they won't use a guy that I think has potential. Like, he probably doesn't look all that good in practice. So as we are six games in the season, the Arizona Cardinals one and five, uh, feisty one and five, we'll call it, I guess. Uh, but what have you kind of learned about this 2023 Cards team under Jonathan Gannon? I think the coaching staff deserves, you know, some leeway. They, we know they do not have talent, and I think you look at a bunch of metrics. They are bottom ten in the NFL and three and out rate, and I guess I should say top ten. Like they don't, you know, have a lot of three and outs this season. They're top five in the NFL on scripted drives, which we define as the first fifteen plays in converting those series into scores. They're they're tied for fifth in the NFL there. So you know, eventually the talent disparity catches up to them, and we're now seeing you know some scores that are a bit more lopsided as compared to early 
earlier in the season. But, you know, they're getting a lot out of the talent. I think we're finally seeing, you know, Garrett Williams now play. I mentioned B.J. Ojolari. I think Paris Johnson gets better each week, and I think you see little nuances to his game improve. Like, I think early on in his career, stunts and twists kind of gave him issues, and his, his IDing of those things was not strong. And as weeks go on, I think more and more he's not falling for some of those tricks on sim pressures and stuff like that. So I'm still very confident in where this team is going. I think they're being coached well, being put in positions to succeed. I mean, the, the one splash they made in free agency, if you want to call it a splash, you know, in Kaiser White, I yeah. think is playing good football. Like, I'm bullish. I am still bullish on this team. I did not have expectations. Maybe once Kyler gets in the fold, you know, uh, what, Michael Wilson's been falling as a rookie receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still trending. They're trending positive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's kind of the, the sense people get around here. They like the direction of this club. Obviously, there's that's not without frustration. And you talk about the talent disparity. It's like that really shows up in the second half. And the numbers in the second half are they're they're almost vomit inducing. Like you, you just can't find, you know, outside of the Cowboys game where this team has, has played in the second half. I think they've topped out at eight points in the second half each and every game so that's just not getting it done but that's when you know you get worn down your depth issues show up and then teams that that have you know premier players and maybe uh are a little bit heavier a better weight class can throw that weight around and, and kind of impose their will on the cardinals yeah, I think they also can just identify the mismatches throughout the course of a game, go into a locker room and say, okay, let's start throwing at Marco Wilson. Let's, let's start you know, targeting certain spots and, and recognizing where we have an advantage in this game and, and take advantage of it. So, yeah, and, you know, I think we sometimes do point to halftime adjustments as a coaching thing. It is, sure, but I would give these guys the benefit of the doubt to once they have a little bit more talent um, on the roster. But, you know, avoiding all the negatives, Josh Dobbs doesn't take a lot of sacks, doesn't really turn the ball over. I know it's gotten a little bit worse the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but there's just – I still, when I watch this team, I say they're getting a lot out of the talent they have, young players and some just kind of poor players. So when they do have talent, I'm excited for what that could be. I love that you were the first to the party for the Drew Petsing trendy offensive play caller, maybe like a future NFL head coach. Um, has that changed in the last couple of weeks? You mentioned the success as far as scripted plays and maybe lack there of, of plays that aren't scripted. What do you like from Petsing? Yeah, you know, I think he's a good play sequencer, and you just see a, the concepts work off of each other. You know, there's no wasted wrinkle to a play, or you'll see them, you know, have a play action or a pre-snap motion or something where later on in the game they'll go back to it but with a different actual play out of it, and you'll see a defense maybe tee off on a play action because it was a run the first time, and then, of course, it's not this time around, or, you know, be jet motion, orbit motion, whatever, and, and on the first play, let's say, they handed it to the guy or they threw a screen to the jet, the orbit, motion player and the second time around is just decoy like i think there is there is a there's a plan and a purpose to what they do and i'm telling you that is not the case in a lot of nfl buildings this season so i like that and i mean look you go for 230 on the ground against the dallas cowboys like you're putting your players, uh, I think, in, in advantageous scenarios where they have good run blockers. Paris Johnson's an awesome run mm-hmm. blocker. I liked bringing back Will Hernandez this offseason. Like, I think they're just getting a lot out of the talent they have. I mentioned all the young talent, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, look, there's going to be some ugly plays here and there, but I think it's an efficient and you know competent offense, which sounds like a low bar, uh, but I'm a Bears <laughs> fan. Uh, I have a Steelers podcast. Uh, the bar is, is competent is actually a decently high bar is what I've learned. 
I thought you were just going to say it's a, it's a low bar sometimes. Just with the audience you're talking to here, you know, where we where the Cardinals fans came from and where they are right now with, with just a competent play caller. I think that they'll take that as one of the few wins they'll, they'll get in 2023. You've got a great article right now, pff.com. And, and you mentioned to me before we started this thing that you got one coming up. It's geared towards the NFL trade deadline. But right now you got trade deadline candidates, rumors, and hypothetical trades. Cardinals not involved in this article me and Johnny, we'd thrown around a couple names and like the quartet of players that, that we looked at, I just don't see them moving. And, and it's, it's, it's headlined by Zach Hertz. Throw G.J. Humphreys right there, probably one of, the, one of the highest paid players on this team. He struggled as of late at the left tackle position. Dennis Gardeck, who's been a, a nice uh, guy who's had a good little season here, about four sacks. Um, it, do you envision anybody in Marquise Hollywood Brown, of course, who, who got a lot of run a couple weeks ago when, you know, I don't know if you could say that they, they were true rumors, but Marquise Hollywood Brown, there was interest. Um, what are your thoughts? Any true candidates that could be dealt before the deadline for the Cardinals? Yeah, I know teams have called Arizona about Marquise Brown. And as far as I understand it, at this point, they've been rebuffed. You know, I think the team likes him. And obviously we know the connection with Kyler Murray. The Gardeck one is interesting. You know, he has been great, um, but historically obviously been a rotational pass rusher in a bigger role now. And I think that to me is always the number one spot. If you want to get someone to overpay at the deadline, it is a good pass rushing edge rusher because contending teams that want more juice off the edge are going to pay a premium and are going to give you a little bit extra because they just it's such a valuable component to what you're trying to do, and especially teams that have injuries there. You know, Baltimore, just one random example, but they'll, they'll pay even more. We saw last year Philadelphia trade for Robert Quinn, gave a fourth-round pick for him and didn't even play him. Like, it's it's a great spot to get value. I haven't heard anything personally there, but, but yeah, it, it's a good name to mention because he's playing some good ball. Yeah, so the Hollywood Brown thing, it's really interesting because we, we see and I hear from Jonathan Gannon on a daily basis how much he likes Hollywood Brown. He's shown up when they really need him on third down. He's been a huge target for Joshua Dobbs. He's been making big explosive plays, uh, and, and Dobbs even missed him on some pretty easy drop-in-the-bucket passes that should have been six. When you look at Hollywood Brown, and this is your kind of your expertise just trying to predict these contracts, I mean, where are you seeing from him this offseason potentially as it stands right now? I think this also does play into it in my eyes is it's a very poor wide receiver market this past offseason. I mean, effectively, no one got paid. Uh, and even all the young guys looking for extensions, you know, T. Higgins doesn't get money. Michael Pittman doesn't get money. Even further down the board, your Darnell Mooney's, your Gabe Davis's, like, you know, they're, they're really – it was a down off season for the wide receiver position kind of at large. And so I think you are talking tier two and like, you're maybe not even getting to 20. If you are getting to 20, it's 20 flat or right at that number, which going forward with, you know, Justin Jefferson and, and some of the other players that are going to get paid uh, will look like a decent contract. So yeah, I think he is a, maybe a tier one B or two a like, like, like receiver. He's a good player. Um, you know, I know we love to define what a quote unquote number one is. He can be <laughs> maybe the best receiver on a team. If you have good depth there um, and you have a good couple of good young players around him and still be a playoff team and a competitive football team. So yeah, I, I don't think it's going to break the bank. And I think that, you know, maybe a franchise tag is required at the outset, hmm. but that you, you can get a deal done in the low twenties, um, which which I think is 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 reasonable. So a little bit north of where Christian Kirk signed a couple of years ago. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that a lot of people probably that probably took their breath away. I mean, paying Hollywood Brown that much is as much as they they like what they've seen 
from, uh, of course, Kyler Murray's old Oklahoma Sooners teammate in, in the wide receiver one for this Arizona Cardinals team. I love in your article that you've got different mock drafts throughout each and every move that you, that you predict and each and every candidate, you've got a mock draft. And of course we're, uh, it's already draft season here with a one in five start. And of course, two premium picks, unfortunately, Houston Texans not playing their part very well. They're winning football games. But when you look at these Cardinals picks, one projects potentially top five, their own. And then you've got that Texans pick. We'll say anywhere from like 12 to, to 20, right? I mean, who, who are you eyeing for top prospects for this Arizona Cardinals team in the 2024 draft? Yeah, so let's say they don't go quarterback. And I honestly don't get the vibe that that's – maybe it happens. I guess I shouldn't speculate there. But let's say they don't. Um, I think the beauty of this class is you just talked about DJ Humphreys, you know, obviously signed the short extension a couple off seasons ago. But, I mean, Olu Fashanu at Penn State and Joe Alt at Notre Dame I think are like blue-chip prospects coming out of college, can fit in probably any system you want them to. Fashanu, I think, is one of the best pass protectors I've watched at the college level at least compared to last year. I like Paris Johnson, but he was not a great pass protector as compared to what Fashani looks like. And then we know about the receivers. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, Marvin Harrison gets all the run, but Romeo Dunze at Washington is a stud. The other guy at Ohio State, Emeka Buka is a great player. I mean, we could go out and bleak neighbors at LSU is a stud. Like, I think you go offense there because I don't love the defensive line prospects this year around. I think you, you look to add there maybe in the second round. So, yeah, receiver and tackle, why not? So Jerzon Newton, probably too rich for your taste as far as out of Illinois or Jared Verse, the edge coming out of Florida State. You, you, you go with the premium blue chip offensive prospects before those guys? Newton to me is a guy that you'd take in the top 15. I'd have no problem with mm-hmm. it. Verse will go in the top 15, but I think in part because he kind of gets pushed up just because of the lack of talent at the yeah. edge rusher uh, position. Like I like Layatu Latu a ton, uh, but – kind of like a Jalen Phillips where he medically retired earlier in his football career, you know, is now playing at UCLA because he had to transfer just to get on the field. Like, so yeah, like Newton's, Newton's a stud. There's no question about it. And there are, but to me, there are some other good interior guys, Leonard Taylor at Miami. Um, You know, there are some other names there that maybe you address with an early second. Um, But anyway, we we can go all day on a, on a prospect uh, conversation. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's invaluable insight, though, from our guy, Brad Spielberger. You can find it, of course, at PFF underscore Brad and all the great work heading your way. PFF.com is already there and incoming as far as the NFL trade deadline. Brad, always great to talk to you. Thanks. And uh, no no hard feelings about you uh, ratioing my co-host. Yeah, Johnny, uh, if, you're, if you're watching, I apologize. But yeah, thanks for having me on as always. Joe Alt. Paris Johnson Jr., that would be legit. Arizona Animal, absolutely my thoughts exactly. I I did think, Richard, that that was the most interesting thing that Brad broke down was what a potential Hollywood Brown contract would look like. 20 won't be that expensive next year. Obviously, the cap goes up. Justin Jefferson resetting the market, and you're seeing right around that. You know, OBJ is spread across a couple void years and year to year. It's really not that tough to absorb, but then you've got the Christian Kirk who I think was like, I think he signed like four for 72 can escalate to four for 84. uh, And he approaches 19, $20 million. And I mean, the wide receiver position has become a premium position and players like Hollywood Brown, they're, they're not going to like reset the market like a Justin Jefferson, but they're going to be paid handsomely as well because they bring value to any offense that they're going to be a part of. And it's going to be up to Monty Austin for it to kind of diagnose, like, is he going to be this guy? Is he going to be the fringe one receiver? Is he going to, is it going to be him and Michael Wilson and maybe one extra piece in this passing attack? 
Uh, or do they feel like, okay, he's 5'9", he's not he's going to be 27 once he gets paid. Is it worth to make that heavy of an investment into a Hollywood Brown? And I, I think, you know, Mahi Ossiford has a, has a tough decision to make. Uh, I saw somebody join during the interview with Brad and, you know, was asking, what did you miss? You missed a ton, right? We had Bald- Ryan Baldinger break down what went wrong against the Rams. How could Joshua Dobbs and this Cardinals offense get back on track? Uh, we'll have that interview up on its own, or you can just, you know, watch this beginning of the show with Brian Baldinger and get all that tremendous insight that you get each and every Tuesday here on PHNX Cardinals. We also talked about Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray continues to be the biggest story for somebody that hasn't taken any reps in practice, who hasn't been available since he tore his ACL back in December, had surgery in January, where tomorrow we're really going really to find out you know, what the timeline looks like for Kyler Murray. He's either going to be designated to return for practice and, and he starts that process, or we wait another week. And uh, you know, I think big story, either way it goes there. And then Buda Baker can be designated to return as well. He put the uh, the ninja emoji up on there, and let's let's advance this story, producer Damon. I was telling you, I retweeted the Buddha Baker ninja emoji, and current Arizona Cardinals starting safety in place of Buddha Baker, Andre Sachere, or at least somebody running his Twitter account, liked that that tweet, my repost of Buddha Baker. So, fellow Cardinal safety. He's liking the ninja emoji. So I think I think it's pointing towards it's pretty much a slam dunk. He's gonna be back on the practice field come tomorrow. To me, it was more like I have no idea what this means. <laughs> well, it's not bad. Like I saw somebody jump in the chat. Uh, I think it was like PC, uh, PC Mac or something that was saying, anybody hearing about a Buda Baker trade? Look, I, I think that that ship has sailed. Like if, if they were going to ever entertain and it never felt like they were, we weren't hearing that they were, that, you know, Buda Baker was under contract. They, uh, they actually locked in the 2024 season for Buda Baker. And then they threw him some extra cash this year. Like if they were going to do it, it would have been when things were uncomfortable during the off season. I don't see any reason why they would let, you know, a talented player under contract control be on 2023 leave so uh it's it's absolutely buddha stays forever we're never letting you go buddha baker uh and he loves it in the desert and he loves his cardinals teammates i don't i don't see buddha baker outside of this team being one in five and lacking wins be a, being a disgruntled employee now we talked to brad and he really didn't see anybody as, as a real viable trade cannon now today on the twitter streets mike clay of espn which damon pointed out was just out there in his twitter avatar just free topless and <laughs> just just going topless at the beach just showing off his dad bod without he with, with no apologies which i think i i kind of respect it right I'll, i would never do that I, I really respect that. Yeah. Like I that's what I was saying earlier. Like what a wild move, but yeah. but also like a kind of a respectable move because it's so crazy no one else would do it. No chance. I mean, a very it takes a very secure man to put that out. And then we'll see you know how secure he is as far as his, his NFL takes. This is what he tweeted out. Cardinals appeared to promote Trey McBride to the top of their tight end depth chart last week, which has me wondering if Zach Ertz could be moved at the deadline. Perhaps a Philly reunion emoji eyes. Now, you know, I Ertz maintains his ties to Philly. He, he made a friendly bet with J.J. Watt when the Phillies were in the World Series last year against the Houston Astros. Uh, and I think he had to wear an Astros jersey after the Phillies went down. Hopefully the same will happen in the NLCS. But 
you know, Ertz has ties, strong ties to Philadelphia. And I can't imagine there are many destinations throughout the NFL that he would welcome a trade to. He seems very comfortable here in the Valley, obviously where his wife grew up. Uh, his wife just retired from her unbelievable career uh, playing women's soccer, playing for the U.S. women's team, winning gold medals and winning World Cups. Um, and then, of course, they welcome their first child. I think he's very settled here. And the idea of picking up and moving at this stage in his career, a guy who's already got a ring, he's made a ton of money. Like, what what does he really want to go? Like, would he welcome a trade to Dallas? Would he welcome a trade to another contending team? Would he welcome a trade to another a contending team maybe further east uh, and playing in like maybe a cold weather city. I, I don't know if, if that's necessarily something that Zach Ertz wants to do at his stage in his career. Now, obviously he doesn't control his destiny or, but I think that the Arizona Cardinals, like if it's trade Ertz for a six round pick or a seventh round pick, is that worth it to, to just kind of sell Zach Ertz to whatever bidder is willing to take him? for you know a lottery ticket type draft pick you know does, does that set a good precedent for how you how you kind of take care of your players and I, and I think the answer would be no so I if it's Philly and he would welcome to go return to the team that drafted him out of Stanford he had the most success in his NFL career to then sure uh, but other than that I, I don't see anybody kind of lining up as a trade partner for Ertz Got Jessica saying Lovers just seems something off with his comeback right now. Look, I mean, it's and that's something that we're gonna see with Kyler Murray is when when you come back from a knee injury and, and you're trying to knock off the cobwebs and you're trying to knock off the rust. I mean, one thing's physically and the next thing's mentally, and these are non-contact injuries that that can mess with you. And I think that all the players go through it. Richard say Ertz gonna probably retire at the end of the year. May sign a one-day contract to retire as an Eagle. That that's very. That could possibly happen. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's enough goodwill that remains between him and, and the Philly organization. There's no, there's no bad blood there. Um, but you know, I think Ertz, if if he would, and that's a stack. That's a pretty stacked tight end room, like led by Dallas Goddard. Does he want to go there? He's got a pretty premier role here, even with McBride taking most of the snaps last week. And and also keep in mind, McBride. He saw a lot of snaps at the end of the game when when the game was already in hand. Like were they just running a younger player out there and Zach Ertz, it didn't make sense for him to go out there coming off an ACL injury and the surgery he had on his knee. Chikai Whittingham saying Ertz retires with his wife this year. I'm here for it. Look, I, I think that that would be great. I think that Zach Ertz playing his remaining days here, it, it, it's not worth it to me to, to go out there and try to get a sixth, seventh round pick. Cause I don't, I don't think you get much more than that for Zach Ertz. Uh, he is signed through 2024, but you know his contract lines up to where after the season, if you cut him, you I think you absorb five million dollars in dead cap money, but you save ten million dollars for in, in cap space. So yeah, that's I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Right, five million dead cap, ten uh, ten million fifty thousand. Right, save. so. It's it's a good chunk of change. And yeah, I mean, are we watching his last games as a Cardinal this season? No doubt about it. But is that gonna is it gonna happen sooner rather than later in a form of a trade? I'm not so sure. So covered a lot of ground today. And uh it, it's fun and I think it's even even better tomorrow 
when we find out kind of what the latest is on Kyler Murray and Buda Baker. A lot of a lot of smoke going on around there. So make sure you're following along on Twitter at PHNX underscore Cardinals, PHNX underscore sports on Twitter, Instagram. And of course, subscribe right here on YouTube, the PHNX Sports. Of course, find us wherever you find your podcast. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. Uh, we appreciate it. And make sure that those notifications, those alerts are set up. Hit that like button on this on this video. Let's get the, the likes way up. Get it uh, moving around there on YouTube in front of more eyes, more ears. And we can continue to spread the good word about this franchise, which direction it's going under Jonathan Gannon and Monty Osfort. And uh, can't wait. Hopefully we're giving you good news tomorrow about Kyler Murray and Buda Baker. In the meantime, enjoy the D-backs game. Enjoy the Yotes game. We'll talk to you on Wednesday right here on PHNX Cardinals.